Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. so much. And the Oscar goes to Penelope Cruz. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we'll be talking about the 2009 Oscar win for Penelope Cruz for Best Supporting Actress for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, today I am joined by Gina, by Gina, <laughs> Gina Daxon, I'm dyslexic, by Dina Jackson, the host of the Ego Podcast. Uh, she has written for The Beaverton. She's a stand-up comic. Her debut album, Blue Lights, is now available. She's also a public speaker who did a TED Talk um, called uh, 90 percent of yoga is off the mat and it discusses uh obviously yoga and mindfulness and uh i assume that you also talk about mindfulness and everything like that on your podcast as well and i'm very excited to actually go back and listen to that because the description on podcasts said that it's really about talking to people and how they use their own mindfulness to sort of check their own ego. And I think a lot of comedians could get a lot of benefit out of listening to this podcast. <laughs> so Dina Jackson, welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Nice to talk to you. I, uh, uh, right off the bat, it, uh, I, uh, to any of my listeners, if, if they're wondering like what's going on with like the difference in the audio, the reason why is because today we are filming, uh, or filming, wow, I'm so smart. Uh, we are recording uh, sort of separately because uh, Dina's got a little bit of the little bit of the sniffles. Mm-hmm. And we're all so paranoid these days. You know, you get a dry cough and you just want to go into your bunker. So I had a cold last week. I was fully sick. Mm. runny nose sore throat i literally was just texting my family goodbye <laughs> and i had to go and get a covid test and it was negative but like any like whisper of like a cough i'm immediately like that's it like lights out mm-hmm. exactly and to me it's just better to be on the safe side so it's great that we have this kind of technology that we can do it but i would love to see your face right now kyle that would be nice <laughs> oh i'll send you my face and you send me yours okay <laughs> I'll send mine if you show me yours but um i i hope that you feel better um and uh honestly if i were you i know that it's probably just a light cold i would just stay away from those covid testing centers i don't know if you've seen any of the ones on bathurst uh bathurst street by the way anybody listening we live in toronto on bathurst street the lineup is like down the fucking block like it is brutal just i i you know i feel like if you got covid like you know you got covid you know what i mean (laughs) so just because i live in the village the village is completely shut down uh two bars the gas stations near us have closed down because they've tested positive so like everything is i think we're going back into a lockdown yeah the numbers were very high today higher than they've ever been so I live in the village too, Kyle. We we're just a hop and a skip and a jump away from each other. Oh, that's right. Oh, 
neighbors. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I see you from my window. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 2009 Oscars, Best Picture this year went to Slumdog Millionaire. Best Director went to Danny Boyle for Slumdog Millionaire. Best Actor went to Sean Penn for Milk. Love that movie. Uh, Best Actress went to Kate Winslet uh, for The Reader, I believe that movie is called. I love that movie. I don't know the name of it. And Best Supporting Actor went to Heath Ledger for Batman posthumously because he he died. Yeah. (laughs) R.I.P. I didn't realize that was the year that he won. Makes sense. Yeah, I remember whenever this movie came out and um, this really started the trend of like, you're only celebrated as a true actor if you can play the Joker convincingly. Right. <laughs> you know, these days, these days, nobody, they don't care on that level. It's sort of seen as a separate category now because they have a new Batman coming out. With, with Robert Pattinson. <laughs> such a crush on him when he was in Twilight. Oh my God. He's very handsome. You can't deny that. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. But I, uh, I remember I had this like Twilight poster on my wall and my grandmother slept over it and she had to sleep in my room. And, um, you know, at that time, like, I guess I wasn't out to my grandmother or something. I don't remember. And she was asking me why I had the poster of Robert Pattinson in my wall. I was like, oh, he's just, you know, so cool. <laughs> and I just want to look at him all the time. He's <laughs> like, yeah. one of these pal. <laughs> yeah, he's just cool. He's just, I really respect his craft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but now that you've, cause I know that you do like a lot of, a lot of yoga and stuff like that, but like, how have you sort of been like staying not crazy during this pandemic? Oh, um, well actually at the beginning of the pandemic, I was very anxious and you know, like, like a lot of us were like all just looking at stats and starting to figure out, you know, what kind of supplies, all that stuff. I didn't actually go out and buy all that stuff, but thought about it. Um, and I realized it was because for about a week I hadn't been practicing any form of meditation or mindfulness. Those are a big part of my life. So, um, I let all the negative stuff come in and I didn't have my regular routine so that I had to get back on track with that. And so, yeah, since I've been practicing mindfulness, I'm in a better place, but you got to keep at it, right? Like you go, it's like going, it's like swimming upstream. And then as soon as you start swimming downstream, um, you just go back to your, conditions and you come back to you know what feels comfortable but not necessarily nice um and so I had to really adjust and just say okay this is what's going to help me deal with that and that's been that's been keeping me sane I would say well that's good how long do you meditate for is it like a daily thing oh um no about somewhere between half an hour to an hour in the morning um but I had to work up to that you know like and some days I don't get to do that so you know it's not perfect but yeah, somewhere from half an hour to an hour in the morning. And then because I'm practicing mindfulness, I try to be mindful throughout the day. Some days are better than others, um, obviously. But uh, yeah, I built it up that way. Like it started with 10 minutes and then 20 and then half an hour. And now it's become a little bit longer. I've had more time indoors. So yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad that you are back on track or getting back on track. I for me, I started going back to the gym for a little bit. And then I started to just kind of feel a lot better and a lot happier. But now that we're there are so many positive cases for COVID in the village, I'm not I'm not going to be going back to the gym for for a little bit. Yeah, It's and I feel like they're probably going to close soon. Anyway, I don't want to be negative. But 
I'm the gym in my building is open. It's been open for a little while. I'm like impressed with that, but I'm just anticipating doing more at home workouts and just seeing people Mm -hmm. popping and, you know, trying to run outside. You know, I I picture that. (laughs) I can see like people just huffing around, pretending that they know what they're doing, going for runs. Um, I imagine (laughs) that'll happen soon. (laughs) Probably. Um, So let's talk about, let's talk about these movies. So the first person, you know, I mean, okay. Cause we have like a double nominee here because you have Viola Davis and you have Amy Adams for the same movie doubt, Mm -hmm. which um, if anybody has not seen the movie doubt, it is based on a play and it is a movie starring like Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, Viola Davis, very star studded. Although I don't really think that Viola Davis was really that famous at this point. No. And the movie is uh, kind of a little unclear. Well, that's the whole point because it's called Doubt. If Philip Seymour Hoffman, the priest, uh, did any kind of like sexual assault to one of the male students uh, that he at the school that he teaches at. And Meryl Streep believes that he did and calls him on... Like she, she starts like bluffing and saying that she called around the other schools and that he has like a history and he's been like transferred around a lot in less than five years. And that's a red flag. And so you don't really know. And the whole movie is like, did he or didn't he? And then the movie ends on the line. I have such doubts. So, okay. I guess the long winded point that I'm trying to make is this was a very frustrating movie. Yes, I agree. Um, have you seen this movie before? No, I watched it for this, but I had not <laughs> seen it before. And I also, now that you're saying that it's based on a play, I didn't know that. And that makes a lot of sense. Cause it, there were some parts where it was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, especially, um, Meryl Streep's monologue at the end. Like I was just like, and it, like it ended it, like it started, it ended with a monologue on doubt. And then that makes sense that it would be a play. Like, I don't know. Yeah, very frustrating. I loved I loved the cast. I thought it was a wonderful cast, but I yeah, yeah didn't really understand why it was written in such such a way. Like what well, what was the message, you know? Yeah, like I guess sort of just the frustration of the things that the church did to these victims and how there's really no way to prove it, I guess, and maybe yeah. as an audience member, we have to see that and be like, "Oh, like how frustrating and it's the strength of the character for having the strength to like i don't be brave enough to call it out like i don't know like it just Mm -hmm. and the thing is is like in reality like from a from a legal perspective you cannot just make a wild accusation like that without any proof and that's kind of what meryl streep did in the movie yeah yeah um but let's i guess talk about the no- let's talk about Amy Adams first. So, because Viola Davis, she was only in two scenes. Yeah, that was part of, I had an issue with that because she had such a wonderful monologue. Okay, well, we can talk about that with her, but she had such a wonderful monologue when she was speaking to Meryl Streep. And then it was like, that was kind of her main moment. And that was it. And she did it really well, but that was it. And so then to have, like, she just should have had more more lines. I would have liked that. Well, you know, I like doing this podcast, this will be like the 16th or the 17th episode of this podcast. And um, a big part of this and a big part of this podcast is is 
I never ever am going to say that I'm some kind of film expert. I would never say that I know like all like I would never be able to like review a movie. It's just that I like to watch movies and I like to maybe kind of understand why something would be you know, maybe nominated over something that wasn't. And I like to just talk about movies. I find it um, watching all of these movies and learning and stuff like that. I, I always find it very weird when they nominate an actor for like a couple minutes in a movie. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is, is it, it happens quite a bit. Like the most famous one in my mind was Dame Judy Dench for Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Because the movie's like two, two and a half hours, and she's in it for eight minutes. Right. And she just kind of like, don't get me wrong, like she has extreme presence in the movie, but um, I mean, she should have won for so many other movies. I mean, Shakespeare in Love was like an example, but regardless, I always find it very weird whenever an actor wins for such a short time on screen, because what if you were in a movie and you were like in the movie for 45 minutes giving a great performance, but then somebody like Viola Davis comes in and just does like two scenes and gets nominated over you. That would fucking piss me off. Yeah, that would piss me off too. And you would just wonder why, like, yeah, why were they brought in for that role if they're, if they should have a role that has more lines? And then if so, why are they put in the same category? Like it, I don't know. But I do think in that, in this particular case with this film, she should have had more lines. Like she was very convincing as his mother. And like, she was very interesting. Like I wanted to learn more about her background, the way she spoke about her husband and stuff like that. Like you were able to get a whole idea of her life from that one monologue, but you, I personally wanted to see more, you know, I would have liked to have seen the home setting or met the, the, her husband, or even if he was a villain, like still would have liked that. And I didn't, I, I wanted more from her. I would agree. I mean, maybe that is, you know, that really does speak to the performance because it was so real and because it did leave you like wanting more. So maybe that's, that's sort of something, but, uh, interesting fact, Oprah, wanted this role originally she campaigned for this role she didn't get it um so yeah viola davis is only in two scenes this is her first oscar nomination um she ended up winning for the movie fences for best supporting actress which is weird because she was the lead in that movie but anyway that's a different episode (laughs) that's weird um what i find very interesting about the movie doubt is sort of the best performances are coming from the perspective of the most powerless people, in this case, the women. Mm-hmm. And Viola Davis is probably the most disenfranchised and also, like, you know, her, she's in, an, like, a physically abusive relationship. Her son is gay. She's a woman of color. It's like, when did this movie take place? It's like, is it the 60s or the 70s? Yeah, I struggled with the time, with the era in this film a few times. Just because it they said it was the 60s. Like, they referenced JFK okay. and stuff. But, like, it didn't look like the 60s to me. Like, some of the costumes and stuff, they seemed a little bit older. But, anyway. You know, she, like, she gave a fantastic performance for those two scenes. But I just always find it so weird and confusing when somebody can be nominated for because okay yeah because okay when i see an actor be really upset and crying and and feel so trapped and isolated 
I always think about then why are horror movies not more celebrated? And I always think about in horror movies when they're like terrified and they're crying and they're scared and they feel like trapped and stuff like that. I'm like, well, what difference is it from a horror movie to a drama? Like, what? why is that more celebrated? I don't, mm-hmm. I, I just don't really, I get, I don't really get it. I would say that this performance is definitely a little bit more like Oscar bait, but I just don't love that somebody can be nominated for two scenes. I think there needs to be more rules on that. Yeah, I agree. I also think too, like you're right about the horror thing, but they don't seem to look at horror movies or even comedies. Comedies have gained more respect over the years, but like a lot of the time they're put in the same category, horror movies and comedies. Like sometimes not in the, by the Academy, but I see them bunched together often. And so it's like the, view of them overall is not seen the same way that something like this would have been viewed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with what you're saying in terms of the way that she was acting and stuff like that. I could see someone doing that so similar performance in a horror movie and it being really well received. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that it was too short of a role and it really wasn't best supporting actress, but what she did with it was, was wonderful. I thought she did a great job. Well, see to be, nominated for an academy award in the first place i don't fully understand the process but from what i've been told from my movie nerd friends is that the actors that are in the academy that are the members actually vote for who they think should have been so she was basically selected by her peers for this so they must have just been really wowed by it Mm -hmm. and um, for anybody listening to this viola davis's character is the mother of the victim in question but it's still unclear if this child was abused by the priest and we never really find out about that and the reason why uh viola davis's character doesn't really want to do anything about it is because it's kind of the only it's sort of like a survival thing i mean maybe this is also a comment on on race as well just because being gay in the black community is still not very widely accepted mm-hmm. and back in the 60s i can't even imagine and she's basically saying that her son was like terrorized and beaten all the time at school and then he's being beaten by his father because he's extremely homophobic and so she viola davis is in this weird situation where she's like let him get that attention from the priest because it's the only thing right now that is making him happy even though it's fucking him up as well like it's a really fucked up situation mm-hmm. and like it's very yeah. bad like you at first you can't understand her position and why she wouldn't want to uh report philip seymour hoffman's character and then by the end of her monologue you're like holy shit like i didn't even didn't even anticipate all those layers you know and she reveals it in a very very convincing way um but yeah just like even looking at her role next to to um Meryl Streep like Meryl Streep was the uh was the main character but still like just the amount of lines that she had I don't know it frustrated me throughout the whole time I was very irritated and I anyway I found the movie irritating I like the characters but I found the story irritating see one thing that I find frustrating and this this is actually kind of like a common thread with like 1970s 1960s best supporting um, nominations is when I go back and I watch the old movies for this podcast sometimes I'll just be watching for um, for one 
person in the movie because it's like the only person that got nominated. I'm like, okay, I'll watch this movie. It'll be like a three hour movie and then they'll be in the movie for like five fucking minutes and I have to sit through this whole fucking movie and I'm just like, oh my God, like fuck off. I I find that so annoying. And also it really does speak to sort of the roles for women throughout history of how they're very limited and oftentimes it always is like the wife, the mother, the girlfriend, the cheating wife, the cheating girlfriend, the cheating mother. Like it's always uh, the the same thing kind of over and over and over again. But um, Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, great, great performance by Viola Davis, obviously. But just to beat a dead horse, it's just, yeah, I find it frustrating when they get nominated for these these two-second scenes. Um, And if you have the black woman, like you see the theme even – it's more even more narrow as a black woman like you just see the the same kind of roles you know and it's just frustrating you like this year was 2009 so this was 11 years ago and obviously there's been some progress but it's like yeah i don't know find that frustrating well if you have anything else that you would like to add about viola davis let's move on to amy adams no just i love her but she should have had more lines i agree um, okay, so um, Amy Adams, first of all, uh, they actually originally asked Emily Blunt to do her part, and that would mean that it would be another movie with Meryl Streep and um, Emily Blunt, and the one previous to this was The Devil Wears Prada, which, of course, is <laughs> a gay classic. I love and that movie. I watch it all the time. <laughs> Uh, but Amy, uh, but Emily Blunt actually turned it down the offer because she just honestly felt like she wasn't right for the role, and she had uh, suggested Amy Adams. I disagree. I think she would have been great. I think so too. I actually really like Emily Blunt, but I find that her movie choices are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like not bad, but sort of like interesting. But she did um, what? Oh, she was supposed to be Black Widow, like Scarlett Johansson. Oh. But then she was contractually obligated to do three movies with Warner Brothers or something. So she had to film Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> yeah. It's and then she a, couldn't do it. Bit of a jump. Which really sucks for her. Um, but one thing I find really interesting about this movie is why the fuck did nuns have to look like pilgrims? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yum. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was talking to when I was saying like just about the era. Like it was really confusing. Like I had to ask a couple of times. I was like, is this um is this the sixties? Because their outfits, yeah, really looked much older than that. I don't know what I don't know what nuns wore in the sixties, so I don't have like a a fashion blog of that era specific to nuns, but I don't think they would wear that. But what do I know? Clearly they did if that's what they're doing. Well, so Daniel, uh, for anybody listening, my boyfriend, who is from Ireland, uh, was brought, like, in school, there were nuns, because uh, he's, a, he's a very good Irish Catholic boy. Uh, You're they, a potato. You're know, a potato. They, like, used to, hit, like, beat the kids. Like, this was the 90s. Yeah. And they, so, like, nuns, uh, yeah, I don't, and I'm assuming they probably were wearing those fucking, uh, what are they called? Habits or abbots or... What, like those hat things? Yeah. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> nuns kind of scare me a little bit, if I'm being honest with you. They're kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a, a creepiness to them. Just the idea of, like, walking down the corner and the lights are dim and they're holding the cross. Like, there's something about that image that's... Maybe I've seen too many horror movies with nuns. I don't know. 
yeah, and Amy Adams starred in The Nun, and she was like terrorized yeah. in that movie. It's fucked. I don't. I didn't see that movie, but I saw the ad for it. And it was gave gave off that vibe for sure. <laughs> That's what that was the ending to this movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is the second nomination for Amy Adams. Her first was Junebug, and it's so crazy because I think this is her sixth. She has six Academy Award nominations. She's never won, and um, in this movie. You know, she kind of is playing this really innocent, sweet, sort of like sheepish woman who is a history teacher. And um, then she's like, she she just seems so almost naive to the world. And then she kind of has to take like this deep dive into the world about kid fucking. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where her character is at. And she doesn't want to believe that it's true. And she doesn't, she feels very conflicted about Meryl Streep as well. And she thinks that Meryl Streep is kind of just like a bully. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I loved this role for her, but I would say that she did the character justice and I believed her. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know. Like I, I, I just kind of, thought that like her character was I just I don't know I find it frustrating I always find the character that denies everything the most frustrating is what I'm saying yeah yeah because you're like because she in her case she like dipped into dipped her toe into oh okay there might be an issue of um pedophilia here and you know there that might be the the realm we're walking into and so she like put one foot in and then put one foot out you know and so i think for any viewer watching that that's really really frustrating and just so her making the decision that okay i'm not going to believe this kind of negates any possibility for it to be real or not real you know like so i didn't i agree with you i I felt the same way about her character but yes i thought she did it well but that doesn't mean that she wasn't annoying (laughs) to watch a hundred percent i mean one thing that i did find that was very impressive was that like she was like confused and scared and conflicted and like being very brave and she was kind of doing all of these sort of like emotions at once and i can't remember it's like i think it was near the end when philip seymour hoffman uh, who's the priest in question she were they were like sitting outside on a bench or something and then her character suddenly is just like did you do it and she Mm kind of just calls him out and stuff like that and the way that she kind of did that i thought was kind of interesting because she is that kind of sheepish shy meek kind of person and when she asked that question that was kind of like oh there's kind of a a character jump for her um but this whole movie this is like my second time seeing it frankly um this is more of like an acting showcase kind of film. Maybe not like a movie that would be like, you know what I'm in the mood to watch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something about abusing children in the Catholic school system. You know, I'm really in the mood. I was watching it with Barry, my boyfriend, and he's just like, well, this is pretty dark. I'm like, yep. But yeah, like it's definitely, you're looking at it for the acting capabilities and i really think that all of the names noted like the big names like i thought everybody did a good job i just didn't like the story i would have to agree with that i I don't know i don't know if i'm ever just gonna like you know pop a big old bowl of popcorn and (laughs) 
<laughs> put on put on some kid fucking. That's it's not that's not the vibe that I generally go for. Yeah, but I will say that of movies that like that that I've seen, there was it was less brutal than other movies I've seen like that. Like well, I can't yeah. remember there was the one about the newspaper that was really Spotlight. good. Which one? Spotlight. Yeah, that was a good movie. Like yeah. I don't know. It's almost like you have to let everybody else tell you how great the movie is for you to convince yourself to watch something like that. But when you know that it is great, then you're willing to invest. And that's how I felt about Spotlight. Didn't necessarily feel that about Doubt. But yeah, yeah, it was the acting was great. You can't deny that. Acting showcase. Okay, well, if you are good, we can move on to our next nominee, unless there's anything else you'd like to add. Yeah, let's let's move on. I like it. Amy Adams didn't like her character, but thought she played it well. I would agree with that. Um, okay, let us talk about Taraji P. Henson in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I have only seen this movie once before. I was half paying attention to it when I watched it. This time, however, I full paid full attention to it this is taraji p henson's only academy award nomination which i think is kind of weird and i think they were expecting her to get it for the movie hidden figures i really like that movie as well yeah that's a really good movie really good i love her i'm a huge fan of hers well hidden figures was that movie where like kevin costner kind of popped back into the movie scene you're like oh yeah remember whenever you used to be super famous and like (laughs) movies and what happened disappeared yeah it's fucked off but Mm -hmm. um i uh oh god okay just this is a complete tangent but i went to go to the universal studios in uh la when i was there on a vacation don't ever go it's such a waste of money it's like an armageddon of baby carriages i went recently too yeah same same feeling yes (laughs) oh so you oh so you know did you go see the water world live show no this you mean the california one right or do you mean Yeah. yeah 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 no but like went on some of the rides and hadn't been since i was a kid and this was in january because um we were there yeah january and i was so sick kyle like vomiting like i went on that 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 (laughs) simpsons ride oh my god like i don't remember i enjoyed no part of it like zero and then we went on the ride with the with the um shark you know the famous shark that comes out from jaws and i'm like that's jaws like as a child you know you remember that it's such an epic part anyway so sorry go on (laughs) <laughs> no, I well the one in California is worse because you sit in a chair and it's TV screens. They're not actually rides. Right. Yeah. And anyway, so I completely digress, but we went to go to the Water World because Kevin Costner was famously in that awful movie. <laughs> and uh the Water World uh it, like show, it was like a live show, was so fun and like interesting and like the best part, the only good part of the entire thing. I mean, the acting was kind of like nobody move. But like it was really cheesy, but it was actually a really, really cool kind of thing. And I just was like, oh, my God, Kevin Costner is being outshined by a fucking live production at a Universal (laughs) Studio. Anyway, that's a total I I went to that now. Now I'm sad that I didn't go. Oh, it was there were like planes and like guns going off and explosions like it was really high budget, but. Anyway, totally, completely off topic. But um, Taraji P. Henson, this is her only Academy Award nomination. Um, I have fucking, okay, I have to just, I literally, after I saw this movie, 
I literally could not stop saying whenever the preacher man is like, well, how old are you, son? And he's like, I'm seven. But oh, I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's such a weird scene when he's in the chair. Like, you're going to walk. Like, that whole thing, I don't know. Found it so, I couldn't, like, all week, but I look a lot older. I couldn't fucking stop saying that. I've been saying it all week. I don't know why that's the line that stuck in my head, but just, I'm seven, but I look a lot older. Like, I just can't. <laughs> I can stop saying that line over and over and over again. Um, and seeing that little face, that little face, <laughs> that baby old man face. He just looked like a baby that was left in the tub for too long, you know, yes. all wrinkly and pruney. Yeah. Um, kind of cute. I loved this movie. I just wasn't really paying attention to it the first time that I saw it. And I got so into it. And Dina, oh my God, I got really fucking stoned like halfway through the movie. And that ending, I was <laughs> weeping. Yeah, it does get you. I, I felt the same way, like watched it years ago, I think fell asleep part of the way. And then I actually really appreciated the like Southern charm aspect to it. Like yeah. that was really beautiful like her like her relationship with um with Brad Pitt like his character like that mother son relationship like that was very beautiful and I like the way that they spoke to each other and like the sayings that they had and that had that southern vibe and it just gave me um a different appreciation for the south because to be honest I have a lot of negative thoughts about the south you know (laughs) well I was thinking about this the other day where I was literally like when you think about like like a gay person, for example, like a gay guy, for example, you think like bitchy and fashionable. Mm-hmm. When you think of like the South, you think like racism and hate crime. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Or at least that's and homophobia and homophobia. I would say for sure, like and homophobia. I, yeah. I, and when I think of, and I know, I know what you mean. And so, um, so Taraji P Henson in the Henson in this movie is. Um, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's like uh, mother essentially because she can't actually, or she she had a, a miscarriage or something, and she had a hard time having children. She actually ends up having a daughter like later on in the movie, but um, she raises him, and their relationship is so cute because she is like this sort of, I guess, nurse or maid or something in um, a like an elderly yeah home. yeah. It was just such a cute like little way for him to sort of be brought up and mm-hmm. I love their relationship and how she like raised him like one of her own and mm-hmm. um when she dies uh like eventually in the movie um and it kind of is like a a, a surprise to him I was like really upset like I was crying a lot in this movie oh, is what uh, I'm saying. I, I did yeah I did a little bit at the end and stuff but particularly anything involved between the two of them I found really pulled on the heartstrings because yeah just like everything that you're saying but just the fact that like you could get the idea that obviously he had been rejected from the get-go because of his appearance and she took him in and like just I think that an, an old, I don't know if you want to call it an old folks home or whatever the correct thing name is for that Morgue. Um, yeah it's like I actually think that's the perfect place for him to be dropped off because he's going through the aging process backwards for anyone who hasn't seen this it is a strange idea the movie but you can like you get sucked in like you said Kylie it's very emotional mm-hmm. and so yeah I I thought it was really sweet and she even just her dynamic with him like this is how you act in public you know and this is how you do that and stuff but like in a loving caring way I felt 
it was really sweet because it was showing her love for him, but um, not like not letting him feel comfortable in how he received that from her. And I thought that was cool because it felt like he had been abandoned. So, well, I mean, he one hundred percent did. And yeah. when I think my favorite scene in the movie that like just started the waterworks for me was when he is sleeping on the floor in mm-hmm. her bedroom and then he like reaches up and he holds her hand mm-hmm. and he is is just wondering why he's so different and she like comforts him and like that was when the waterworks started for me and i literally was like oh my god and i just like um or like whenever he like also he was so cute whenever he was like the little old man child and he was yeah. like walking through the streets with his little crutches and I just was like oh my god I want to fucking just put him in my cereal he's so yeah, cute yeah. Pick him up and carry him that's how I felt a couple of times which made so me cute. Cute. yeah really cute and I also like I feel like there's so much um worry in the world there's a lot of anxiety around the aging process like we're we're definitely in the west like we're trained to be so afraid of death and be so afraid of getting older and that's just such a heavy focus and so to to see that relationship you know i see you as a human on a human level between the two of them but also watch her in how she like how she aged throughout, right? Because he's going backwards. And so she has to figure out, okay, where am I feeling this aging process in my body? And so you watch her stance, like in her knees and her shoulders and like just the way she carries herself as she gets older. Like there was a lot of, I feel like there was a lot of thought on her end about that process. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, she's definitely, I would say a method actor. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, a uh, fun fact about this film. So there, this is by Scott F. Fitzgerald, who also was the author of The Great Gatsby and many other books that I don't know. But um, <laughs> there was a lot of visual um, sort of uh, pointingness as to things that go backwards, like clocks. And there was a hurricane because hurricanes go backwards. And there was a lot of things about hummingbirds. And I was like, the fuck is that? And it's because hummingbirds are the only birds in the world that can fly backwards. Oh, is that why? I didn't know. I didn't understand that theme either. So, oh, that's very helpful. I didn't know if it was because they moved so fast. Like I couldn't, I couldn't figure out that connection, but that makes sense. Also side note, because you know, this movie is about like a, a person aging in reverse. I would say the most unrealistic part of this sort of fantasy ridiculous plot line was the fact that all of those male dancers were supposed to be straight. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, went, totally. This is my boyfriend. I was like, is it? Yeah. Well, this movie had like also a theatrical vibe to it as well. I would say yeah. definitely it could be a play. I don't know if it is, but it could be. But it's a weird plot. But once you get past that, like they're very lovable characters. You're also a cat mama. I am a cat mama. And mm-hmm. Like, whenever I see, it's so funny. Like, I mean, obviously it's not at all like having a child, but literally when I see these scenes where like he's holding her hand and she's comforting him, I literally, as a person that like has a cat and I see like a mother with their child, I'm like, I totally get it. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Yeah. But it is. That's your baby. Baby. How is your little um, cat, by the way? Because last last time I saw photos, they he was a little... Uh, little asshole yeah yeah he uh is really really good he's finally passed he's like about a year and a half now so he's passed like his asshole yeah i mean he's still an asshole but like he (laughs) is definitely like chilled the fuck out and um a lot more a lot more calm i think he's really happy that daniel and i are both home like and um but no he's 
he's you know he's really really good but oh. he uh i think he was like sick he was sick once and that scared the shit out of me because when he, he was being like really nice yeah like no it's out of character it was really out of character like he was all over me and he was sleeping on me and everywhere that i went he would follow me and i was like what the fuck is wrong with this cat and i started freaking out Mm -hmm. uh, but no, he's good. How is your little kitty? Oh, she's good. She's still running the show. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, Barry lets her, like, the the special treatment that she gets is ridiculous. Like, my boyfriend, Barry, he um, will leave glasses of water with ice cubes in them across the place. And then also, like, treats everywhere, kind of like Easter morning whenever we go away. And he's constantly worried about her, like, just checking in. Oh, Does so she cute. need a brush? Yeah. So the two of them, sometimes I feel like they both gang up on me. But other than that, it's good. <laughs> I love that. That's a good idea, hiding treats. I should do that. Yeah, um, she loves it. Well, she, uh, Taraji P. Henson in this movie, I just love how she kind of just took took in this, like, reptile of a baby, raised it as her own, mm -hmm. and my favorite line was that she kept saying like, where have you been? Yeah. Like she kept saying that over and over again. And um, she was my favorite in this movie. Side note, I actually thought like, don't get me wrong. Love Kate Blanchett. She's an amazing actor and she did very, very well for this movie. Like, but I actually thought that Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett as like a, like a couple, it was very awkward. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually, yeah, it was hard to follow and I didn't look forward to that relationship as much as I look forward to the one with Taraji P. Henson and him because it's just like, you know, when you're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm feeling pleasant watching this. I didn't feel like that with um, Kate Blanchett. I thought it was really funny though when Kate Blanchett started doing ballet in the park when they were on their date and she was just like shooting him the beave. Yeah. Like, <laughs> over and over again yeah. i thought that was kind of funny but like yeah i just thought she was kind of the wrong choice for that role in my opinion i agree with that I'm um who would have been a good fit but you know but just oh yeah i kind of wonder as well i almost feel like i'm i'm i don't know if she was the right age for it but um emma stone oh yeah she would be good or even emily blunt i could see in that role oh yeah actually you know what emily blunt yeah mm -hmm. okay let's go back and cast that's that's <laughs> done that um but taraji p henson i'm sad that this is her only oscar nomination but i'm glad that she was nominated for this i loved her in this role and she was like her and, and brad pitt were like my favorite part of the movie yeah me as well i completely agree and i thought like strong strong runner for the award she was wonderful Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, Tilda. Tilda Swinton was in this movie. She was oh, yeah. great too. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, I still, Taraji's my fave by far. Oh, yeah, she, she's great. Um, okay, so if you are good, we can move on to our next nominee. Yes. So let's talk about Marisa Tomei in The Wrestler. So we basically selected this year because you wanted to do a Marisa Tomei year and i've actually already done both of her uh years already so this was this is i'm i'm done with marissa tomei marissa tomei has been covered <laughs> well clearly the there's some other people who love her too like she's one of my absolute favorite actresses people keep requesting her and i i didn't know that she was so beloved mm -hmm. oh yeah just great just the way she's so convincing and she's been such a strong actress since since my cousin Vinny, like that's she's love just, that movie. I love that movie too. So you did that year, I guess. 
did that year and for the winner that year i selected her i wanted her to win because it it was it that year is celebrated as the biggest oscar upset of all time yes i agree And I love an upset, but I watched all of the movies and I was like, no, give it to Marissa. I actually mm-hmm. loved her the most in all of those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, love, love her. So this was her third nomination, the movie for The Wrestler, which is literally a movie about a wrestler like WWF, which I think is now called WWE. And WWE. it's, oh my God, straight boys fucking love wrestling i don't <laughs> they do especially comedians so many comedians love wrestling so many comedians love it is a thing and i i feel like i need to learn more about it just so that i can have like a conversation with them i <laughs> well you watch this movie i don't know much about it i feel like i know more now okay well the, okay so so the, okay so the whole point of the movie is basically just that wrestling is this guy uh, mickey rourke's whole entire life and then when he's forced to retire because of um heart problems he has a really hard time adjusting to the world outside of wrestling and he essentially can't mm-hmm. um the ending is open-ended i love that kind of style of an ending mm-hmm. um and it's super unrealistic first of all because all washed up wrestlers just go into comedy yeah i was gonna say that's so funny that you said that i go oh my god i see so many parallels comedy (laughs) but i was wasn't even just wash up wrestlers going into camp comedy like just his whole character um and like an he reminded me of an older comedian that like didn't have any kind of backup plan and it's like been on the road forever you know like that's yeah Like I saw that, I was like, oh, God, felt terrible for him. And then I immediately was like, oh, no. It's, it was triggering. It was absolutely triggering. Yes. So Marissa Tomei in the movie is the old tired stripper with a heart of gold. Yes. And um, she had a rockin' bikini bod. Holy oh, shit. shit. Um, I was like, and I tried to figure out how old she was. I think she was like in her early 40s when she filmed that. She looks stunning. She looks stunning now. She doesn't age oh no she like whatever work she's gotten done like it is working for her and um one okay one thing that i always thought was really interesting is like you know straight boys comedians especially straight boy comedians they love wrestling things and when i was a kid i never really understood it though because i will say that like Remember, like, those VHS taps, tapes that, like, all the straight boys had of, like, all the, like, WWF and, like, yeah. The Rock and, like, The Crusher and The Gravedigger and, like, all that crap? Yeah. The VHS tapes, they looked like gay porn covers. Yeah, you're right. If you just saw the name, especially. Yeah. <laughs> the Gravedigger. It's like, how big is he? Um, but I couldn't handle the violence in this movie. It was, I, I skipped through a lot of things. I don't like a lot of like gratuitous violence. Um, I closed my eyes a lot through it, especially when they were stapling each other. In yeah, the ring. that was a graphic scene. The fork over the forehead under the skin. That was mm-hmm. fucking disgusting. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of Marissa Tomei, I really like her in this movie. Um, her character, if I'm being honest with you, I actually kind of thought that Evan Rachel would shone a little bit more than Marissa Tomei. Yeah. I feel like the Academy gave her this nomination because she was a familiar um, Academy Award winning actress. And in terms of being a stripper in a movie, like she really went there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think that Marissa Tomei did a great job. I think she was... It was she was well cast for the role, but I, like I didn't think that it was her best performance of all the movies she's done. 
And you do, in a way, kind of have to compare com- like our comedians, actors' performances to their previous work, as in, like, look at Meryl Streep. So Meryl Streep only has three Oscars, and I say only three because she has, like, 22 or 23 fucking Academy Award nominations. And to only have three Oscars like like yeah. that, it's some, some host made a joke being like, it might be the most... Uh, nominations for Meryl Streep, but I like to think of it as most losses. <laughs> and it's so true. And it's because you think about her previous performances that were fucking insane. Yeah. And it's it's like, if anything, she should have way more than that. But with Marissa Tomei, I would agree with you compared to other things that she's done. I don't know if this was necessarily her best work, but I do agree with you. She was right for the role. She really went for it. I enjoyed watching her in this movie, but I um I actually really kind of preferred Evan Rachel Wood in this movie, and I kind of forgot how good of an actress she is because I don't watch that show Westworld. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I thought was really funny, though, was when Mickey Rourke, her father in the movie, was basically like, hey, like, so I know that I wasn't there for you when you were growing up. I basically was avoiding you and I tried to pretend like you didn't exist. And then she was like, Oh my God, dad, that's like totally fine. <laughs> that was like, what? Like that. I don't really know so much about, but, um, yeah, do you remember? Was a he was like, for sure. And he was like, here's an outfit that I had a stripper pick out for you. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> and she liked it. She liked the peacoat. I'm glad that he had a backup. I actually, I, I completely agree about the violence and stuff. I don't like watching that either. But I did think that Mickey Rourke did a really good job in the role. Like, I thought he was perfectly cast for something like that. Like, he Agreed. just, yeah, like, he, I had never really watched a lot of his other stuff. And I know that he has a history as, as a boxer and stuff. But, like, yes. yeah, like, you totally, I was so convinced. Like, I was really, really convinced um, with his role. But, but yeah, I thought Evan Rachel Wood did a great job. She played the, like, that role of the sad uh, adolescent, angry teen, like, I don't even know if she's teen or if she's early tw- 20s at that point. But anyway, she was great. And I thought Marissa Tr- Tomei's character, but maybe that was in some of the writing too, you know, yeah. like, hard to say. But yeah, definitely wasn't as much of a standout as, like, my cousin Vinny, for example, or any of her earlier work. Well, I, I, this was maybe, this is just sort of my opinion, but I I thought it was kind of interesting that they had like a wrestler befriend a stripper. And the way that I was kind of seeing it was that they both kind of had similar paths and career paths where it's like, they are doing what they do just to make money, but it's almost like they're trapped in their industry a little bit and they're trying to get out. Mm -hmm. And I kind of enjoyed that sort of dynamic um, I almost turned the movie off when he like cut off his finger. Yeah, the 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 it, they didn't need to go to that level. It also just made me question why so many comedians like wrestling so much. Cause, and oh. I keep thinking like, do they actually go to that level with the with the like cutting stuff and stapling your body and stuff? Because I don't remember that. I like if the like my dad used to watch it when I was a kid and I remember them wearing the costumes and being very theatrical, but I didn't remember them actually like Bleeding. cutting up their skin. Like I just, uh, it was gross, but yeah. It was but, so yeah. Gross. I know. I honestly, I, I think you and I are both are like, I don't know. You have a straight girl and a gay guy. We're like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, 
I don't know. But I just wanted to see Marissa. I didn't know. But I but I honestly, like I said, I thought Mickey Rourke did a great job at that role. Like I just think he was that role. I really do. But it's like how much of him stapling himself do you want to see or cutting him his you know, or when he took the bl- the razor and hit it in his wristband or whatever and then cut his forehead, I was like, Oh my god. I know. Oh. I will he won the British Academy Award for Best Lead Actor, and I think Sean Penn won the Best Actor for Milk. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, Mickey Rourke's like face yeah. is that from, like all the boxing that he used to do. Like, I don't know. I think it's a combination of that and a lot of plastic surgery. Like that, there was definitely a lot of plastic surgery going on it, it i don't know i feel bad like maybe he was in the earlier days of getting that kind of stuff done you know when they were trying stuff out i don't know i don't want to be rude but yeah, yeah it was a lot to see you were like what well, i don't know oh, oh she's been touched by an angel for yeah. sure <laughs> um, before we go on to the winner. About, like once again though like all of it fit like especially when he was like we were showing him like going to the tanning bed and like all the stuff that he did and i don't know I really like like the human side of him when when he was working at the deli, you know, when like the guy saw him and recognized him as a wrestler and he was wearing the hairnet and he was just so upset that he threw a fit. Like I just felt for him then. Oh, I felt bad. Anyway. Well, that would be like if any of us had to basically stop yeah, doing totally what we do and then we'd have to start working at like a deli counter and yeah. It's 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 just this sort of like now what kind of moment with your with your life not that there's anything wrong with working at a deli counter but what it's about is the fact that it's like you had a career and then now you're working like a part-time job yeah and you're giving up on the thing you love like you know you're exactly. you're saying to yourself in my in your heart i failed that's it doesn't mean you failed because you're doing something else it's, it's you failed because you're not doing what you love anymore good movie gross but good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, so if you're good, then we can move on to the winner. Yes. For Vicky Cristina Barcelona, it cannot <laughs> be gross. <laughs> um, so basically, Vicky Cristina Barcelona is a movie about banging your way through Spain. Yeah. Uh, and I am attracted to and also not attracted to Benicio del Toro. Do you mean Javier? Isn't it Javier? Bardem? Oh my god, Javier Bardem. Sorry, yes. That's what I meant to say. Oh my god, I had a total mind. Nice right. to know, Kyle. But what about Victoria <laughs> Barcelona? <laughs> oh my god, I completely, completely blanked there. Yeah, Sorry. No, but I get it. Javier Bardem. He's got very large features, and sometimes he looks like really, really handsome, and then sometimes not so much. He, in this movie, it's kind of a different sort of role for him. Um, I always thought that Penelope Cruz was related to Tom Cruise, but she's not. She was married to him, but they actually just kind of have the same sounding last name. Mm-hmm. This movie is written by Woody Allen and produced by Harvey Weinstein, or as all the young actresses say, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this um, was Penelope Cruz's second nomination. Up until that point, she had been nominated uh, the year before for lead role for the movie Volver. Uh, which was, I think, also a Spanish movie. Um, in this movie, she is uh, psycho chic. She's like an artist that is very brilliant, but as I'm sure 
uh, we all know when you have a brilliant artist, it also comes with the fucking crazy territory. Mm-hmm. And she really plays that psycho chic woman very, very well as a person that literally went to visual art school. I can relate to her character. I know people like her. Um, and uh, I'm very, I felt very, this character felt very familiar to me mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Um, she was the best part of the film because frankly, I found a lot of the characters quite annoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, what I, what I thought was like really funny was that there wasn't one scene where they weren't drinking like four liters of wine. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Every like throughout the entire movie, that was the case. And it seemed to be presented to the audience like this exotic, magical experience. Like, no, no, no. They were just shit face <laughs> the whole time, to the point where what? What's your name? Scarlett Johansson had an ulcer because of the amount of wine. Not because of that. Right. Her, it. Yeah. And she in this movie, this movie won the Golden Globe for best comedy, which is like, yeah, because it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, get that but um i really love penelope cruz i think that she is gorgeous i know that has nothing to do with her acting but like (laughs) she's really good at acting and i think that she's like just so stunning and like when she's like acting really well but also like looking like sexy at the same time i just like i she's like a little doll like i'm just obsessed with her yeah i love when they were doing the film scenes like when they were taking photography and then they were like the main subject was her and it was just pictures of her smoking and stuff you were like oh you got a full you got her essence of that like just the whole backdrop of spain and her with the cigarette i don't know it was just she's very beautiful and you're right you can't help but acknowledge that (laughs) because she's stunning like and she's I just funny side note, I, when I worked at a hotel on Vancouver Island, she stayed at the hotel and oh. she travels. Yeah, she's she travels with a huge entourage of people. And she one of the members of the entourage is her sister, who looks very much like her. Right. And she does that intentionally so that you're kind of thrown off and you don't know which one's her. <laughs> so that way she doesn't get, I guess, bugged. But <laughs> She brings around a doppelganger. Yeah, pretty much like her sister. So anyway, but I I agree with you with everything that you've said. I think this role was like written for her. Like she was, I don't know what she's like in real life, but like she played that character so well. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually how she was. Like she just, (laughs) like she just was meant for that role. Like I couldn't think of anyone else who would come close to playing that role. Like there's no one, like she's just, the crazy and then the, but then the sultry and her dynamic with, you know, I hate you, but then somehow like, I love you. And also with Scarlett Johansson, like Scarlett Johansson, like really wanted her approval. And you could see that like, everyone did Javier Bardem's character did too. Everybody wanted her approval and they wanted to be brought into her world. So yeah, I thought she, I mean, she did a wonderful job. She really did. She did. And um, for anybody listening to this that doesn't really know what this movie is about, it's basically like um, Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Hall. One of them is Vicky. One of them is Christina. And they're like, you know, 
doing the white girl thing where it's like, I'm going to go to Europe and find myself. Yeah. And they do. And then they're like learning about the culture and then they meet Javier Bardem, <laughs> AKA Benicio del Toro. <laughs> and he whisks them away for a sexy threesome weekend. And then, and then Vicky's like, no. And then she's like cheating on her husband. And it's just sort of like a, comedy and i use that in quotes because it's not really that funny uh like a dark comedy yeah like has probably comedy. parts to it and then um like scarlett johansson and javier bardem really fall in love and then in comes penelope cruz who's like the crazy ex-wife who like is very has a history of violence toward him and toward herself and um she's just this mess of a character and then like the and then scarlett johansson penelope cruz and javier bardem are like a thruple, which I'm sure Javier Bardem must have fucking loved those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, th- then Scarlett Johansson leaves, and then um, Penelope Cruz goes like fucking insane again. And I just, I just loved her in this movie, and I love how she just, she's really unlikable, but like I love her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Like you want. It's the same thing. She's unlikable, but you want her to. Um, approve of you even as the viewer like the viewer wants to be you wanted her to think that you're that you're cool because she's like this artist and then you find out that Javier Bardem's character stole his whole style from her and he admits to it and it's like you know she he can't live with her he can't live without her that kind of thing and yeah I thought and then when she came in at the end with the with the pistol and just started shooting like that was <laughs> hilarious like that was hilarious that that to me made me laugh also because it was with the vicky and i didn't love that character it was not a not a fan i didn't like anybody in this movie except for her like she just came in and she was just like a tasmanian devil you know yeah. like, and like Penelope. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i loved her and then everybody else in this movie i just was like i don't like any of you you all just seem like really annoying and yeah well and- I, are do are you including javier bardem because i wouldn't say i liked some of the things he did like i really liked when he approached vicky and christina and like how he was so not even suave like he was just so straightforward like the three yes. of us are going to go to oviedo we're just going to get in my plane and i'm going to drive my plane or my friend's plane and we're all going to go in and like have a threesome and then that's just how it is you know you have to enjoy life like <laughs> i thought that was hilarious i did enjoy things like that because i just thought it was so extreme that it was funny i love the idea of of just these two girls being like basically bombarded by Javier Bardem being like, we're going to go and have a threesome in another city. We're going to take a plane. And this is what's happening right now. And they're just like, you filthy pig. What time? (laughs) (laughs) We would never, but we will this one time. I love the I love the idea of that, because honestly, I, I think I'm that girl. I would just be like, how dare you and i'd be like okay <laughs> here's my number send me a text yeah. <laughs> no but it's a yes yeah i'm the same for sure i'm the same 100 percent. like i'm offended but i'm also complimented it feels good and bad the whole thing well see that's kind of my favorite thing is the oh, we shouldn't be doing this see that that really gets me going like yeah. in- <laughs> You know, it's, it doesn't even need to be like a sex thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's like your risky business. Like you're just getting yeah. into trouble. Yeah. I, that's oh, that that's just that just does it for me. That bakes my potato. You know. What I'm 
It's your second potato reference in this podcast, and I like it. Ready for the third. I love, I have a lot of, potatoes are a big part of my life. I, I'm not even joking. Like, I make the best mashed potatoes you have ever had in your entire life. Like, oh, I. That sounds, I'm hungry now. I uh, love mashed potatoes. And I love scallop potato, any kind of potato. Come on. I can do anything with a potato. Home fries, scallop, mash, baked. Um, oh. I can make chips. Oh. I do, like all of it. I'm obsessed with doing things with potatoes. <laughs> Is this only since you've been with Daniel or before? I think a little bit of both. Right. Because like potatoes are quite economical to buy. And I was a starving artist literally for years. So I yeah. used to make like big soups and stews. And you just kind of learn to That's do what you can with it. Yeah. <laughs> And he's Irish too, right? Isn't that potato yeah. part of the cooking? Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay. Well, it, unless there's anything that you would like to add about Penelope Cruz's performance in this movie, we can pick our winners. Yeah. No, I think I'm good. Okay. So if you will do the honors first to to reveal who you think the Oscar should have gone to. I think the Oscar should have gone to. Penelope Cruz. Yes. That was my vote. And, and she why? stole the show. You can't say she didn't. She did. 100%. Mm-hmm. And you said that there was like a second place person for you. Who do you think the second yeah. place person was? My second place was Taraji P. Henson. I thought she, it was a close call. I thought she did an amazing job. So yeah, she'd be my second. She'd get the silver. She'd get the silver. The silver statue. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I actually, I when I did this uh, podcast, because there actually have been ties mm. in the history of the Academy Awards. There's actually been ties like Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand in 1969. And that hasn't really happened since. Mm-hmm. But um, I said when I was doing this podcast that I refused to allow a tie to happen. And I'm, I'm really trying to stick to that. But frankly, I find it kind of difficult because sometimes you're like, I actually want there to be a tie. Mm-hmm. Um so, okay, I'll just go ahead. So I think that the Oscar should have gone to Penelope Cruz. I mean, for me, I, 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 when I was watching Benjamin Button, I literally was like, it's Taraji for me. Like, I think the winner for me is going to be Taraji because I just am obsessed with this movie and I'm obsessed with her performance and I'm obsessed with her character and I was like crying Mm -hmm. but Penelope like you said it's like it was like written for her or something Mm -hmm. and like she was just like so cool and like crazy and really unlikable but like you still like loved every scene that she was in and like you just wanted her to come back and I loved sort of how complicated she was because she was very loving and supportive, but then she was also like (laughs) murderous. Um, And I just, I feel really bad. Taraji, I I really would have given it to you, but I just, it just, uh, Penelope was just such a like tour de force. And also it just felt very familiar to me because I went to art school and that type of, you know, hot tempered kind of person just felt very familiar to me. And I, I really loved her a lot and I'm really glad that she won her Oscar for this. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought, yeah, like same thing. I thought Taraji did an amazing job. She's definitely uh, into method acting. Like she's, 
just was phenomenal in it. But yeah, when you see a role that and you're like, this role was written for that character. And I don't know if that was the case or not, but that's how it felt when you were watching her on the screen with Penelope. Like you just wanted to see more of her every time, like from the from moment she came on the screen, you were like, when is she back? That's how I felt. And so, yeah, Agreed. I think it was the right choice. Okay, well, great. Um, thank you so much, Dina Jackson, for uh, being on this episode. For anybody listening, you can listen to her podcast, Ego Podcast. It's available wherever podcasts are. Um, and also check out her debut comedy album, Blue Lights, and you can wherever, like Spotify, iTunes, all that, it's all mm-hmm. there. Um, and uh, is there anything, Dina, that you have coming up that you want to plug or? Um, no, just... Uh, just to say thanks to you Kyle and I think also this is I mean if your listeners probably already know this but for anyone listening um this is like a great way to pick out movies to watch that you haven't seen in and you're like scrolling on Netflix and you're like what do I watch and then you end up watching the Netflix homepage for like an hour and a half like this is a great <laughs> alternative because you're like oh okay I'm gonna watch this movie so if they're watching these movies in along with us right and then listening to our reviews it's like oh you save yourself a ton of time and then you watch something that has Oscar buzz so it's a win-win so thank you oh you are welcome <laughs> like, <laughs> uh no that that's an excellent point thank you so much for saying that um well we will definitely have you back and we will see you next time thank you thanks Kyle bye everyone bye mm-hmm.